0: Hello and welcome to episode 53 of Cybersecurity Interviews. In this episode, we're speaking with Cameron Williams. Cam is the founder and CTO of Overwatch ID. Cam has more than 22 years of experience as a leader in the cybersecurity industry. He has led breach mitigation and designed security solutions and countermeasures for leading global companies such as IBM, Boeing, Sony, BP, Chase, and Washington Mutual. He has also designed and built a multitude of access management systems, including privilege access management, identity access management, and cloud access security brokering systems. Prior to co-founding Overwatch ID, Cam was the VP of Engineering at IntelliSecure, where he led the development of a next-generation MSSP platform, including multi-tenant PAM, correlation engine software, deployment automation, and application monitoring systems. In this episode, we discuss the alphabet soup of identity and access management, cloud security, maturing the trust model, the problems he's trying to solve, why he switched from IT from pre-med, automation and orchestration, and so much more. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. Thanks for listening. So Cameron, thanks for joining me in Cybersecurity Interviews, how are you today? Great, thanks, thanks for having me. Oh, my pleasure. You were, as we were just talking before we we hit record, uh, Chris Roberts, who was a couple episodes ago said, you know. The, you gotta get calm. Like he was like the first first person that he said like as soon as the mic's off, he's like you have to get on the show. So uh, I, I've been looking forward to this because I take his his advice
1: pretty uh, pretty seriously. I appreciate that. I'll have to buy a guy some some good scotch. So. That's that's an <laughs> expensive proposition for that guy. That <laughs> sure could bring you back that's a pretty several hundred could, dollars. Could be a couple hundred dollar bottle yeah. for sure. So, but he'll let me split it with him. So it sure. great. Yeah, <laughs> and,
0: you know, because what we were talking about a lot was you know in general is the basics. You know, basics and security that. God, I've been doing this, you know, some level of IT and security for 25 some odd years, but it's still, when I look at it, it's the same basics that keep failing. And that that's kind of what, you know, if you can tell us a little bit about what you guys are doing, but it seems identities, identity, you know, people have to log into crap. And yep. that seems to be still be an issue. I, mean, yep. I would say 90% of the cases we do in a breach work have some level of identity loss or mismanagement. Yeah,
1: people. it's, that's, that's, you know, my background is. You know, 25 years of managed services and the security space and working breach mitigation for companies like BP and doing Sony PlayStation Network and Sony Pictures and some other other kind of high-profile breach uh, issues and things like that. Um, But, yeah, again, most of those that I've worked have been, you know, a result of compromised credentials, and that's really... You know, from my, my days at IBM and then moving on to Vertella and building access management systems and having running a, you know, three different security operations groups around the world and you know, how, do you, how do you keep your engineers safely accessing all of your clients' target systems that you're managing and also you know, what happens when those engineers leave and, and make sure they're not walking out with credentials and so on. So uh, I, I've been building kind of access management systems since way back in the day and uh you know obviously broke a broke a lot of eggs <laughs> um but uh yeah it's always been kind of near and dear to my heart is you know how do you build a better you know system so that you're keeping credentials as safe as possible that identity breach factor is the is the biggest breach factor 81 over like the Verizon data breach report like 81 percent of all breaches include compromised credentials every single year yeah that's and it's it's getting worse it's yeah. that's in, it's a 400 plus percent increase from 2013 so um so that you know I, obviously i know some of these statistics i've <laughs> I, I spent a little bit of time living you know, and breathing it living <laughs> and breathing it uh yeah but uh you know there's some things like like you know that we want that we do that also come from my past so i've uh you know in my past i've built automation for a company called vertella got acquired by ntt in 2003 end of 2013 but using you know, DevOps or automation types te- type of technology to automate deployments, I think is 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 one of the things that also that I wanted to solve is not just hey build a better uh, you know identity security solution, but build something that that you know can uses relevant current technologies to solve the problem of how boy it takes forever to deploy this stuff right.
0: Right. So one of the things that I think that that becomes challenging, at least from my perspective, where I've taken on security and security management roles are the kind of alphabet soup of the different types of solutions when it comes out. You have IAM, MFA. Yeah. yeah. You can go down the list. And yeah. There's federation and trust. And it's just there's a lot of things and privileged access management, Pam. So it's, how do you kind of differentiate the, those and how do you order them in levels of kind of, I guess, important?
1: Yeah. Uh, so I, I'd say, you know, you, we're. You know i've built a lot of those systems i've worked on the Saml engine for the junos pulse platform back when i was at juniper and so that's single sign on and so i've got a lot of background on that i've worked on mfa's technology and which is kind of a commoditized technology these days but surprising how much how many folks aren't aren't using it throughout the organization well, it's,
0: it's crazy we do a ton of office 365 breaches and it's it's free yeah yeah it's literally yeah, yeah. Right.
1: and that's i think that i had a i had a i did a podcast i don't know a couple months ago and and uh, they were asking me, like, what, what can the layman do to secure themselves today? And it's like, we'll literally go out to your bank, your Google, and turn on Second Factor everywhere everywhere that you can, right? And, but, but, yeah, that's – and I was talking about the, the Cybersecurity Summit, too. I think the two biggest promises, obviously, you can, you, if, if a company turns on MFA everywhere I, – I said at the, the Cybersecurity Summit, like, if, you're, if you don't have MFA turned on for everything, why not? you know there's really no excuse for it it's it's the cheapest easiest thing to get up and running um and then so and it which which means it's by by its nature it's automatically the most effective thing to do today right tomorrow the this kind of the next most effective thing in my mind is or the most promising uh security efficacy is is securing you know privileged users which is which is the pam space um we spent significant i've Uh, access management systems i built back in 2004 2005 up till now i spent significant time kind of you know breaking some eggs and making you know what i think is a is a really effective pam solution um that's that's kind of cornerstone to our product but you're right the alphabet soup is is kind of the problem right when you're when you're if you're to build if you're looking at like the zero trust model there's really you know the, the model says you know, keep doing the thing, keep building your, you know, and securing your perimeter and securing your endpoint. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but that technology is becoming less and less effective. You know, really focus on securing the identity and securing the data and flight data at rest and and and, and so on. Um, so. So, if you want to solve the identity security component of the zero trust, you've got to go, you have to have MFA, you have to have PAM, you have to have CASB, you have to have single sign on services and directory services and and analytics to wrap it all up in one big bundle. Um, And that's, you know, that could be four or five different vendors, right? And that's that's really the problem that I saw was, you know, I've been building multi vendor solutions (laughs) throughout my career. but also, I was an early adopter of companies like Palo Alto Networks when I was at Vertella. We were the first managed service provider to offer a managed service around Palo Alto, and it was back in 2006, 2007 timeframe. And kind of, that's really where I got kind of the idea for Overwatch. Was hey, look what what Palo Alto did for perimeter security, mm-hmm. combining all those you know URL filtering and proxy services for Blue Coat and WebSense, and and intrusion prevention services from Tipping Point, and you know, firewall services from you know insert firewall vendor here really con- combining all and then application identity things like packeteer and so on adding all of those into one platform making it really easy to deploy and 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 by doing because you're converging and making it by nature more cost effective uh, was really the the kind of model that we were going after and then we added you know an easy button to it which is automation so yeah. um, and that's but so i really see MFA, multi-factor authentication, and authentication in general, and PAM, and all these acronyms, I see them as features. Think of the mm-hmm. Palo Alto converged right. you know, perimeter security platform. Really, you know, that's what our, we call it. We call this our solution, identity security, because we converge those technologies, and really, they're really just features in our quiver. Right? Um,
0: does that make sense? It does, and, and I think that it becomes a, a lot of it too. Is I think you touched on a, a couple good points there. You know, Ultimately, it's the administrative overhead. Yeah. That becomes the hard thing. Um, I mean, I I remember trying to, and I've done old school RSA token key integrations and they were a nightmare. They're, yeah. And yes, to the point where the administrators were frustrated, users were frustrated, and they didn't get implemented. Yeah. To the point where, you know, you started seeing solutions like Duo on the market that were incredibly easy. You had soft tokens on phones where really the hardest thing at that point is for me for multi-factors, if I have the phone across the room and I have to actually get my butt up across the room to <laughs> go get the deal. Yeah. If that's the hardest thing from a user's perspective, yeah. I mean, that that's great is that we've we've now made that easier. And then even it was, you know, going to going to... Other levels of automation and alerting that I think that are being built in now, yeah. Like where I put in Azure and I'm able to see as soon as I sign in a new or create a new user, I get new user alerts. Yeah, like things like that. Those were multi-product solutions. Yeah, those the same integration and all this other yeah. stuff. Yeah, and, and now, now you just s- get it
1: right from yeah. That's I think that's the, the, the kind of the convergence uh, that's going on in, in the security space. That's not just in, in in identity, which you can see you know, one identity buying Balabit, and there's other companies that are buying these other technologies and starting to converge, like Centrify has a fair amount of these yeah. offerings as well. I think, you know, uh, as, as the industry continues to uh, refine itself in the identity space, that convergence is definitely underway. Gartner said back in 2016, the, the pan market guide, that converging these, these disparate identity security solutions is inevitable, yeah. they said within 18 to 24 months we obviously agreed so but um but you know the point i was trying to make is you know adding all of these technologies together you know there's there's some some significant you know cost savings you're there's operations savings so you know one pane of glass uh, one environment to to really hone yourself on or hone yourself against instead of having you know guys that just do one of these technologies it's the same thing you know again this there's a perimeter. We can always go back to the perimeter security yeah. uh, convergence. There used to be guys that just did intrusion prevention, and there was guys that just did, you know, the web security gateways, and guys that were really good at firewalls. And then, and then, then it became the one guy that was good at all that stuff because he just had one platform to work off of, and he didn't have to, you know, didn't have to go to five different <laughs> vendor training sessions and, you know, have five different vendors taking him out to dinner. You know? uh, that was fun, anyway. anyway yeah, that was RSA back. In my- well, still RSA. Right. Okay, never mind. <laughs> but I think I think you know across the board. You know having and then to compete, right, all of these vendors are you know trying to add more capabilities to their platforms in general. you know our you know we we're you know we're doing some of the other other unique things like um you know doing auto provisioning and deprovisioning, not just on our platform, but moving the source of record off of active directory by eight, about seventy percent of uh an i t. group's time is literally spent adding users and moving them and, and so on and numbers probably within within within, <laughs> within directories probably even higher than that. Yeah. You know, a, a fair amount of their time is spent doing that, right? And, and using so our our goal because we're we're kind of you know the center point of that identity, um, we're trying to move that off of their hands and, and move it to the place that, that it has to be the source of record which is the HRS system. Yeah. Um, so whenever a camera moves from, you know, the the sales North America to sales Eastern Europe or whatever you know, Cameron gets moved there, right? Or if Cameron gets terminated or whatever, it, it ha- always always happens in that HRS system. So, um, move being able to auto provision across the board, not just for what can Cameron, what routers, switches is viral servers, can Cameron access, and then also make sure Cameron's in the right groups in AD, but also using cloud APIs and and, and to to change Cameron's persona within Salesforce or within. Uh, you know, Office 365 or ADP and so on and so forth. Does that make sense? Yeah, and it so, seems... And, like, uh, and, and, and making sure, let's say when camera moves from the Windows admin group over to the security group, the camera's not carrying his old Windows admin yeah. you know, access as well, right? So.
0: But it seems like you guys have an advantage too because I'm going back to the firewall analogy. And if you look at a checkpoint firewall, follow- Apollo, Cisco, they all had different terminologies for the same things. Yeah. I and mean, like, you really had to learn different things, but it seems like in the, let's say, the general identity space, there seems to be some more open standards, whether it's OAuth, oh, LDAP, there's yeah. things, SAML, there's things that are there that you can build on yeah. and
1: integrate a lot easier. Yeah, there's a lot of, so, and even just with SAML, like 1.1 to SAML 2 and, and so on, there there have been innovations around, like, especially, like, single sign-on directory capabilities. Um, we we got, we've actually just uh, submitted a patent for our MFA technology as well, you know, the kind of, you're right, there are a lot of open standards that are, and the, as the open standards continue to have more more input into those open standards, that they'd be actually become more easy to use. Like So, so for instance, you don't have to replicate directories anymore with SAML, right, which you used to have to do, which is why it was very, you know, SAML, you know, prior to 2.0 was a little bit more difficult and a lot mm-hmm. and so on, so. Um, yeah, I think, I think uh, you know, as there are a lot more open standards, and and, and obviously even with, like, for MFA, a lot of the, the, you know, using tokens here, using dual authenticator and using our token, you can use use the same in in the same infrastructure.
0: But something like you kind of, then, yeah, you build the the infrastructure that's there that enables the type of things that we've all always, always preached in security about. Group management, group policy are back. Things yeah. that were always very complicated. So once you get that down, then it seems like the level of maturity moving towards is towards that privilege account management. Yeah, yeah it and really is, to, and, and being able to mo- you know uh, maintain and monitor
1: that. It really is. That's we've so we've seen. Uh, you know, again, our, we I, can, I I would say that we build our platform around our Pam capability. Um, and you know, we do some things like, you know, a lot of our competitors you do. You know, will tell you to use directory based credentials. Also, they'll say like, you know. C Williams is my Active Directory cred. Add C Williams ADM. I mean, that a lot. Of, I think that's kind of general accepted practice. Like even outside of having a PAM system, have have one cred for just your day to day Active Directory you know, persona, and then have a cred for your admin persona. Um, the 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 problem. A lot of our competitors go along. We'll will say, hey, stay with that model um, because the way they do credential rotation, they use. Uh, they use like domain admin creds on the on the Pam systems to roll the creds, and that's to me that's a security issue. If you're yeah. issuing, I mean that's, you know, I'm sure you remember issuing a domain admin cred to the, the you know the or our our directory you know capable cred that can go do lookups for WebSense and yeah. coat and things like that. Those. Those creds become, you know, well. You better hope that system's pretty patched, right? <laughs> yeah. you know, and, well, service
0: credentials, same thing. Yeah. Oh,
1: service creds as well. You, high, oh, yeah. you it, the, all of those things are kind of the the higher value, easier to breach kind of technology that that really has to be, you know, well thought out and 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 and, and protected by that Pam system. Um, another thing. So so I mentioned, you know, you better hope that that's a you know very well patched system. Um, that's one of the things that we've we've kind of done in our our solution as well as we've kind of changed the paradigm of you know expe- expecting our clients to 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 be good stewards of the, of their of you know updates uh, one of the things that we kind of took that took this model from say the proof point model is that you know proof point I don't know if you know a lot about them but uh, they they have a kind of an auto update you can you can schedule it you can change the schedules and mm-hmm. you can have a you can have like a, a lab version and do an update there and do some testing and then update your production one, but they don't let you turn it off. And that's really what our concept was, hey, we're already doing security countermeasure, which means we're a huge target, right? So we want so some of the things that we've done from a security perspective is, for all of our platforms, even our on-prem solution, we want to do automatic updates and make sure that, that we're patching as, as quickly for our SaaS environment uh, so the same patches we're applying to our SaaS environment get applied as quickly as possible to, like, say, our on-prem solutions for our clients.
0: Gotcha. And I think
1: that I think there's a lot of companies that are starting to move in that direction. A lot of vendors are saying, "Okay, look, you know, patching." There's two breach vectors, like for ransomware, for instance. It's either unpatched systems or it's a stolen identity, right, mm-hmm. to, to to execute a ransomware attack. And that's, you know, I think a, a lot of vendors are moving to that. Instead of electing to turn on automatic updates, let's make it hard to turn it off. Yeah, and I think that's and and the the idea is to help you know make it make help the environment be be you know be more sanitized and and secure, right?
0: Yeah, and it seems like we're we're definitely moving to a level of maturity where that you know, there's so much less of that infrastructure, perimeter, hell, even servers, you know, yeah. right? with so much now you see in the small business market, small to medium-sized business market that's just all cloud-based where yeah. okay, if I don't have to worry about that, patches are automatically done. Yeah,
1: I think, I think you know, that's that's kind of the concept. Like, people are are, are more accepting of it, especially if they're in AWS or whatever and they're just automatically turning on patching the, at least the infrastructure that they're they're residing in. That's being patched all the time by AWS, right, or, or Azure, or Google Cloud. So, there's a concept that even if you don't do it in your maybe your internal corporate environment you're probably you're already accepting that it's being done in your you know private cloud deployment in AWS yeah. so uh, you know so the i we we very very little pushback on that to, to be and, and I think a lot of it's people are surprised by yeah. the the lack of pushback but I think you know a lot of our clients get that you know that's if it's the number one breach vector, you have to. It has to be secure. It has to be as yeah. secure as possible. So
0: well, I think a lot of people, you know, we, I go back to my NT four
1: days of like you patch things. There'd be nine things that would break, and yeah. you have to fresh up right. and reinstall. I think yeah. that's you know that's a lot of what we you know people are saying. Well, you know, especially you know a lot of our clients, we have we have a very you know fully multi-tenant solution. You know, my background being in managed services and right. stuff like that for IBM and MCI and so on, vertella and telsecure and so on. So I I. Design our solution to be active, active, and I also, you know, with my not myself, my team, we design the solution to you know do automatic updates. So take it, take you know pieces offline and bring them back online, and and test and make sure it's it's okay. And we do kind of synthetic testing within our solution as well. Um, And I think. It, so we have a lot of managed service providers as clients because we're multi-tenant, and those those are the ones that are typically, <laughs> hey, I don't do automatic updates. We test everything to the nines, right? Yeah. And it's like, well, you know, here, let me just build you a secondary system, then, and we'll do we'll do you know, two weeks, we'll, we'll test for two weeks, and then we'll roll to production, you know, with the, with the which product.
0: again you can do now in the cloud. It's yeah, like, it's amazing. And, and then
1: we literally can stand up both using, and we can you know, like, again, our solution is and... and... frictionless. But, you know, <laughs> yeah. Or it can be stood up in, in, in an hour or so, yeah. so, which is nice about it. So, so
0: now, now that, you know, if we kind of look past the you know, the maturity of, of, you know, we have the infrastructure built, we're able to do privileged account management, what's next? Like, where do we build on for identity management? Yeah, so
1: one of the things that we, you know, uh, the next piece to that is really, in my mind, you know, so PAM, privileged access management, that that, that concept is securing all my VMs in AWS or all my Palo Alto's and all my Aruba access points and all my router switches, far, you know, all, all my Oracle databases, my service creds for them as well. So how do you roll a service cred and restart a service after you do that? Um, that's really where we tie in our orchestration technology um, and that, so using things like Ansible Playbooks and other uh, orchestration technology to, to, you know, do jobs for our clients. So we have a DevOps uh, or an orchestration engine, if you will. Uh, right now we're using that to auto-deploy, you know, onboard all these target systems, which is why, you know, PAM is, has the most promise for security efficacy, but it also is the biggest pain in the butt because you know, prior, I mean, I've, and I've built these same systems myself where, you know, you, you go build a PAM system, get it in place, then you got to go out and touch every router switch, firewall server, and so on, and configure that server to work with the PAM system. And that's the long, that's the long pole in the tent. That's the thing that takes months and months and months. Um, and we automated that uh, um, with our orchestration technology. One thing that we are doing with our orchestration technology is we're opening it up, right? And so we we have full APIs in our engine, so that other people, if you already have a DevOps platform like Salt Stack or whatever, you can you can use your existing platform to 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 check in, check out creds out of our system, and run scripts and, and do the things that you normally do. Um, you can also use our APIs in like Python scripts and so on to do the same thing: check out creds, run a script, and then check it back in the vault. Same thing with service creds as well. Um, but we're opening up our DevOps platform so that if you don't have SaltStack or some other platform or Contrail or whatever other platform that you might or, that you may have already invested if you don't have that yet you literally have it day 2 with our solution. So once you start using our solution not only do you get all of this capability but you get the the secure DevOps backend that we have that we're opening up for our clients to use. That 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 kind of dovetails into you know what's next after PAM which is CASB, Cloud Access Security Broker. So um, our security model for CASB, there's, CASB's kind of got its own identity problem right now. If you go look at, at, <laughs> the, at the CASB market guide from Gartner, if you will, you'll find that some of the companies are doing cloud DLP and okay. some of them are doing cl- kind of cloud IDS, right? Mm-hmm. Like what, what, who, who downloaded what from Dropbox and or, or from OneDrive and what you know, who uploaded, who downloaded, right? which is really, you can get that information already from APIs. Mm-hmm. Those, all of those tools have APIs to get, like, who uploaded who downloaded something. Um, and, and so, and then a lot of the, the, the DLP stuff, you know, like field enforcement and things like that, I, I, there's definitely value in that. We're adding some of that capability to our CASB engine as well, but we focus specifically on, um, so for an example, um, there's kind of two users for all cloud apps in my mind. So for, ADP, there you know, there's me. I log or for for, for or Workday. There's you know me. I log in. I check my 401k. I check my. Uh, I do my you know maybe sign up for some PTO to go take a vacation. Check my healthcare care benefits and so on. Um, I'm not a super high value target. We secure you know people that that's kind of a standard user. Mm-hmm. Um, we secure their, We sanction that app. We secure their connections to that app um, via Sam. we can federate with that app. Add second factor in line. Um, or add an MFA and add an MFA prompt to get to as an additional security factor. Um, we can do screen capture replay and things like that. You can turn it on, turn it off. So kind of do some surveillance if you wanted yeah. to for whatever reason. Um, but the other piece that we do is we, you know, we have this kind of the same concept of Pam. You know, there's maybe Nancy in, in human resources, the HR journalist, who has admin level access to benefits, and Nancy's the higher value target in that, in, for, compared to those two users because Nancy Nancy's credentials have a, she has access at her level to delete data, move data, you know, copy, you know, s- social security number. She has access to all that information. So she's the higher value target. Same thing, somebody in the the, finan- the financing group that has admin level access to NetSuite, right? There's people in finance that have access to the data, and then there's some there's a person that has admin level access to NetSuite. Mm-hmm. That person, all of those people are high value targets. However, the highest value target is the person with admin access because you, if, if you're able to grab that cred and person at that user, you can probably get away with moving some data without it being recognized immediately. Does that make sense? So yeah. our CASB engine is literally focused on securing the standard user and making sure they're, they're sanctioned, safe, that session can't be hijacked, um, you know, tying in multi, multi-factor authentication and so on, and, 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 but it's still having a seamless single sign-on user experience for that user but also tying in things like governance and, and point of time authorization for that admin level user to get into Net Suite to make changes and so on. That's yeah. that's sales operations user for Salesforce. Um, making him have a workflow with, with that has authorization that Cameron has to authorize John to get in. And I know John was I know John's doing some admin work in Salesforce. That makes sense? Yeah. So that's that's kind of how our Casby engine uh, how we've approached Cloud Access Security Brokering.
0: And a lot of that again, it goes back to, I think, you know, if we can make the user experience almost kind of seamless. Like, yeah. they don't see it, they don't, that's always been the problem. That's, that?
1: we. that's that's a, a great point. Um, we've, you know, we're engineers. I, you know, again, I've, 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 you know, been building firewalls and writing software and doing stuff for 25 yeah. years. If I'm not going to use a tool, then I'm, I, I can't, there's no way our, our, <laughs> our clients are going to use yeah. it. Does that make sense? All of our guys... Uh, you know that we eat our own dog food. We use our own tools to access our own servers. We make you know, have our guys and our overseas guys do do development out of VDIs and stuff, and they access those VDIs through our system. Um, and 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 one of the reasons why we do that is to you know we're all engineers. We all if if, if we if we're not going to use it, who else? You know, well, I think a lot of security countermeasures in the identity space, specifically the Pam systems, um, have have been kind of built along the way kind of building the car as you drive it almost does that make sense yeah and which so when you put that in front of an engineer so you put that in front of a say an oracle dba and if you're not making his life easier he's going to circumvent the tool yeah and that and you can't be surprised i mean these yeah. are smart people no. like,
0: if you put smart yeah. people in a room they're going to figure out a way around they it. will
1: <laughs> they will and that's you know so all you know our when we do a poc the first thing that we do is like really sit down and say hey you know we you know our, we've built functionality so if you have secure crt or putty we've built you know we built as as much functionality around what you can do today in putty and secure crt so at, in our in our tool for for you know uh, shell access or, you know, yeah. or or cli access um, same thing for our rdp sessions we built all of the same bells and whistles and and being able to have a repo that you can know move move files around do copy and paste and run scripts and all of those types of things and again make it make your day easier so if you're if you're making lots of hoops you have to jump through to get into the same server that you that maybe took you you know two steps through putty and to log into then you know they're going to circumvent that tool that's i think that's that's the important part is is making it making Engineers' lives better. Mm-hmm. If you're making the engineers' lives better, you're making by <laughs> by default you're making I, yeah. Nancy and HR's life life better as well. Does that make sense? Oh, it so. does.
0: It, it's it's if you if you hurt the production of the engine, you know that that's where it hurts. And whether yeah. it's engineers, you know, my, my firm is it's consultants, And the senior consultants. If there's a hint of something that's going to slow down their day, they will go to they'll go above me. They'll go laterally to me. They'll go, below. they yeah. will they will
1: just yeah you know kick and scream so yeah. right yeah and
0: it, it, it hurts everybody so it's like you yeah. got to know you identify those users make their lives easier. yeah
1: yeah that's all right you know whenever we again when we whenever we go those are so any enhancement requests that are top that, that are automatically hit the top of the stack in our yeah. our, our backlog or immediately you know if we have an engineer's feedback that says boy it'd be a lot better if you if you did this this and this we literally go after those you know er's pretty quickly because those are the if you're making those guys happy by by definition, you're making yeah. the kind of layman user happy as well.
0: Yeah. I mean, if you can, it's again, it's all about that buy-in. I think there's, we, we talk a lot of the, obviously in security about getting management buy-in, but you know, when it comes to identity management you need a lot of user buy-in. Yeah. And so if you can get them and then you can show to the business side, Hey, this is also going to be cost effective. There's yeah. easier orchestration automation. It's, as close as we're going to come to a silver bullet, but I mean, I think what we're with so much of the cloud technology moving towards yeah. really, like again, to get rid of the infrastructure, the perimeter, and it's focused on identity. If you can really get that, like just seamless,
1: that yeah. you know, for everybody. That's So that's one of the things that I found with like deploying PAM systems is that, and, and you know, bumping into clients that have already had PAM, they spent lots of money on it. And uh, because the interfaces maybe aren't so intuitive or maybe other reasons, or they you know they just kind of stopped it at the vault level now, I, I found a lot of pam systems end up just being a password vault yeah right? where they're doing just check in check out of the cred and they at least have a, a log log trail who checked start, out the cred yeah. <laughs> and that's a pretty expensive uh you know password vault right yeah so i think i think you know again our approach was look if, if, if you if you don't make it easy to use and you don't make it you don't make it kind of seamless to use, then engineers are going to circumvent. And I think that's the result of you know, see when you see a you know several million dollar Pam system deployed in a company, and all they're doing using with it is just the vault. That's kind of the the result yeah. of that, right? I, and because that, but engineers but, will say, sure, I'll use your vault, but I'm still going to copy it, to and paste get out. it in an email. That's yeah. so
0: every single time I see yeah. them doing the password vaults. I'm like, why even?
1: And then and then once you do that, if you're if you're copying it to somewhere and you're just you know you're just you just made that that countermeasure ineffective right so right. that's so that we spent a lot of time and effort focusing on not just you know here's some cool surveillance technologies here's some cool integration and here's some change gates and you know ITSM integration for change and stuff like that but let's let's make the engineers lives easier not not more difficult right
0: well you know going back to this one Pivot a little bit on this, and this goes back to your, your early history. We talked about how you kind of gotten to where you are, but I go back even further. I was looking at your bio. You were you were initially pre med before you went to Penn yeah. State. How, how did, yeah. how did you, what point did you said okay, I'm not going to open up cadavers, but I'm going to open up computers. That's no,
1: funny. Yeah. You know, so I, you know, well, I yeah, I was pre med initially um, at Penn State, and then I transferred to NC State. But it was I I was I guess I was doing a lot of math in pre med. <laughs> And I, well, I grew up you know right i had my Commodore sixty four yeah. and I was writing you know my my you know my uh programs out of the back and computer mag- or gaming magazines yeah. and write my mash programs and so on and so forth and so when I was a kid i i, I kind of gravitated to to computer programming right away uh, but yeah it was I, I guess I just got to a point where I was like well i I'm doing a lot of math anyway um i don't you know i i think i finished like a organic chemistry and genetics uh um, in the same semester, which was probably not a great idea yeah, a to lot. do that. <laughs> um, and then I just said, you know, I, 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 took some, I basically, uh, took some time off and went and worked for IBM for the summer. But, uh, I obviously at the end of the semester, I went down to, the, to Raleigh and worked for IBM for a little bit. And I just said, yeah, I think, I, I think that this seems like a, a more, a more desirable pace, yeah. I think, you know? So, and I, that's my, that was my switch. So it was, uh, it was literally nineteen. What was it? Nineteen ninety-seven when I, I uh, went from Penn State or ninety-six went from transferred from Penn State to NC State and switched over to computer science.
0: So in computer science program, because that was that was around the time that that I I left high school and started looking at programs and and at the time the programs you were about was computer security even a thing that was talked about. It was
1: it, it was pretty loosey goosey for sure. I, I mean I you know I, I worked uh, yeah when I was writing code it was not a lot of like thought into. <laughs> Like, you know, in my C++ class about how, you know, it was more about memory management and how to make it not crash, not not necessarily how to write secure code, right? And I, um, I think, uh, you know, my first exposure to security was really, I did a little bit of work. I was I was working um, at Caterpillar and going to school at NC State, and I, I got, touched my first set of firewalls, which were like a uh, checkpoint three dot or <laughs> something <laughs> like that, or picks, No, they were PIX four dots, actually. Or oh, or something wow. Like Some yeah. very old... Old stuff and uh, yeah, it was my kind of first exposure. I went to MCI after that and worked in the government group for a while and did did some a a little bit more security because it was obviously we had clearance and we were working on yes some interesting environments. But uh, so that that's obviously where I got my kind of really got my feet well with 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 security and doing some scripting and and, and then but IBM for sure was. You know, working on breaches and working building out secure tiered architecture yeah. and doing you know using multiple different vendors in different layers and mm-hmm. doing honey potting and and you know incident response and stuff like that and you know for like chase and you know washington mutual and uh, large large financials large bp.com and some other ones is really where i got my like serious exposure like wow this is a you know, you, you until you actually see or doing a response on on a on a large you know financial yeah, uh, and you see the the cadence at which those things happen in two thousand two two thousand three, it was uh, I really kind of opened my eyes to like, well, this is this is a serious problem that needs some needs some serious work. So yeah, uh, and that's really kind of where that's I, I so obviously that's where I got you know got <laughs> fell in love with the fell in love with the concept. So yeah, um.
0: And with um, you know with that, so then you end up in how did how did you end up here in Denver then?
1: Oh uh, yeah, so I moved out. So I was at MCI <laughs> through the world, and then I you know was at WorldCom. You know the, through the MCI WorldCom merger, and then yeah. you know watched the stock drop off the, <laughs> off the cliff overnight. And uh, I looked around in the in the RT Research Triangle Park area. Uh, for another government gig, right? Because I had my clearance, so I was trying to try to keep stay and keep that clearance. And then I just decided, I you know, I've been out to Denver and Colorado, you know, just skiing, and snowboarding, and stuff like that. i like, I I just happened to look. I looked at Vail Resorts, and I looked, and I got. <laughs> and obviously, I, I found I found a gig at IBM Boulder. So, and then moved out here in December of 2000, and never left. this this is home for me for sure. Um, yeah, then worked at a company called Vertel after when I left IBM and then worked for Juniper for a while when Vertel got acquired and then Intel Secure, then Overwatch. So.
0: Yeah, I'd say you know, one thing that so I've been here about a little over a year now too, and I'd say that this is probably, you know, being in IT and security for a long time, that it's a really interesting community here. It's oh, really it's welcoming. fantastic. It's, it's, it's like almost like people... You know, just think about how, how much of the Kool-Aid have you drank? It's like all of it. It's it's really yeah. you have no idea. This it, it really, it's
1: it, it's a it's a really tight community. Um, you know, I think it's you've got some really great leaders and like you know Alex Wood and Rob Rack and and uh, lots of lots of you know I, just all the folks that, that that I know that I've worked with. You know, IBM was a great like incubator for people. It's it's so surprising. I was I was talking to Alex about I don't know if you know Alex Wood, but yeah. I was talking to him a, a couple months ago about. How surprising it is that, like all these great folks that were at IBM when we were there, are all like running groups now yeah. all over, all over the state. You know, we've got. I just yeah, it's 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 been, you know, a great environment to great friendships and and it, and it's very supportive. Uh, I think a lot of the a lot of the folks in the environment you know just are 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 open to supporting. Colorado innovation and, and and keeping the community strong so yeah it's, it's, it's funny we just we just had our an event at RSA and uh, you know half the uh, we rented it out of uh, you know a bar after after sure. on Wednesday after the uh, after the the conference and uh, I'd say half the people there were from Colorado yeah. so All three, three, eight, about eight, 150 seven, people eight, about eight, half of them were from Colorado which is great <laughs> So, but and,
0: anyway. Yeah, it's a, it's a really it's a really, and it, I think the growth here is what you can do. It's it's almost what I would think Silicon Valley would dream of becoming. Yeah, and not so not the other way around. Where I think like oh, it's the next Silicon Valley It's like this is what Silicon Valley should have been.
1: Yeah, I think you know that's you know we, I, we spend obviously a lot of time out in the Bay Area. We have we're a member of Plug and Play, so that's that's a, a which is if 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 I could recommend that to anyone that's that's doing a startup, I that's that's such a great program mean um, they're they're actually all over the country and all over the world now okay. um, but you get to meet lots of basically companies put money in to get to talk to startups like companies like Deloitte and Credit Suisse and bank yep, you know, first bank and large companies they, they 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 fund plug and play plug- and play goes out and finds all these uh, startups and then kind of wills them down to like here's the 30 20 cool cybersecurity ones and so on they have cohorts and things like that but you don't it's not a pay-to-play kind of a thing. Sure. it's it's completely free. You just, you just kind of pitch and they select you and then you're off and running. Um, but I'd, I'd say you know Silicon Valley, just just by the the noise of the place, it's just noisy. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah. And it's just yeah. you, it's just hard to unless unless you're you know quote unquote a player or whatever yeah. out there. It's just hard to to be in that to be a member of that community. I think I, here I think the ego is kind of taken out of it. Does that make sense? It's still yes. Colorado, still Denver. Everybody everybody likes to snowboard. Everybody's just, you know likes to go get a beer at the ISSA events and, yeah. and afterwards and hang out and you know and, and, and there's a there's a I think I'll, there's not a lot of class A, class B, class C, yeah. if you you know kind of rankings if you yeah. will. I think everybody here is just you know all class A, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let me say it that way. Uh, does that make sense and i think i also one of the things here is that the, the the Colorado community is really from an investor standpoint from a vc support standpoint uh, startup community standpoint like the the we're in the the Denver scale up which is the the city of Denver mm-hmm. and the, they have a they have a, a uh, they have this this the city and the governor and the the state of Colorado have programs to support Innovative startups, and I, I really think that those those programs are expanding. You have TechStars up in, up in uh you know up in Boulder. You've got you know Darkfield here in Denver, which is a security focused uh, uh, accelerator as well. I think that that that's a growing part of of the Colorado communities. Is not just you know, being a great innovation area but also supportive yeah
0: area. i think we have like per capita like the second largest uh vc community yeah it's, a it's, it's it,
1: it, it, you'd be surprised how many you know and how how like even the other companies like ping i didn't like andre over at ping mm-hmm. and how supportive he is with other companies and and scott chase and at protect wise and how supportive he is and we've gotten lots of great feedback from both of those companies about you know even ping were kind of both in a little bit of the same space, and you know that they've been very supportive yeah. of us, and we really appreciate that. And Scott, you know, just letting off, be willing to lend his support as well. I just some of the like, folks at than like Chris Peterson, and you know, obviously James uh, and those guys. Yeah, all those all guys, guys right? right? They're just all very supportive, and kind of it's a it's a nice nice community uh, support kind of thing. Yeah. So. Awesome camera, thank you so much for uh, being on the show today. I yeah, I appreciate, appreciate it. the time. it's, it's yeah. great to and meet where, you. And where where
0: can people uh, find you on the uh, online?
1: Uh, yeah, it's a uh, Overwatch ID is our website and I'm on LinkedIn a lot and I don't I don't do a lot of Twitter stuff, but uh, you know I'd love to you know, if we've got RMISC coming up, we'll be we have a booth and B-size, there. Yeah. B size, we've got uh, we're also doing the Red Sky event out in out in Utah. So if you're going to any of that stuff and we'll be at Black Hat and so on. But if you're going to those any of those events, we actually have a happy hour uh, at, after RMIC on Wednesday at Tamayo. So come by and see me. I'll be at the booth and hanging out, and I'll be at our uh, happy hour on Wednesday at, uh, at RMIC. So love to, yeah. love to see everybody. So.
0: Yeah, I'll be sure to put all that in the show notes and uh, awesome. make sure people uh, show up. Awesome, thank you. Thanks, cool. Yeah, true, true cool.
1: pleasure. Thank you so much for
0: joining us today on Cybersecurity Interviews. I hope that you enjoyed this interview as much as I did. Please go to cybersecurityinterviews.com, where you can find every episode, including show notes and links for each guest. There you can also find social media links and to sign up for new episode notifications. Thanks. We'll talk soon.